to the Voices of Women Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Tatiana Reznik, a practicing physician and a certified life coach. You will hear about inspirational journeys and practical tips from amazing women physicians, as well as effective coaching tools and steps to joyful success. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to this episode. I am so excited and happy today to see here Dr. Lina Chabander. She is physical medicine and rehabilitation physician with a particular area of interest in women's musculoskeletal health and pain in pregnancy. And she's also a creator of a nestle baby carrier. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Lina, please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you are doing. Yeah, so I have been practicing in the Chicago suburbs for a decade. And as I see patients coming into my door, a lot of times they have back pain and elbow pain or carpal tunnel syndrome, and they're postpartum. And, you know, as we know, people who are postpartum, their ligaments are still loose, muscles are still stretched, nothing has gone back to normal yet. And, you know, I would treat them in my office and I started recognizing that the problem around so many women is not just the fact that their backs hurt or they have a disc herniation or their sacroiliac joint is a problem. It's really a problem of all the burden that we take on as new moms in society. And so, you know, I would, I started to pay attention and I would see that these moms would come in carrying the heavy infant car seats, which one, it's not really great for the babies to be staying in the infant car seat outside of the car, but as they would carry it, it would make their back pain worse. And so one day I was treating my friend who had back pain and she was, you know, going back to her car with her infant. And so I took the car seat for her because I was like, Oh, don't, don't walk to the car with that. And I'm carrying it. And all of a sudden I re-injure my back, which was an injury from pregnancy. And so I realized that this is just something that needs to change and that we have to change the world around moms to help create accommodations and then maybe force a change in the industry. So I set about to develop an alternative to having to take the car seat out of the car and a way to be able to baby wear in a much more comfortable and practical way. And and what came of that eventually was what we now call the Nestle baby carrier. So it's been a journey, like six years. I started this about six years ago, but I still work full time as a doctor. So, you know, it, it takes time for these things to come together. Wow, it's awesome. What a journey. And how did you start? What was your first step? Yeah, great question. You know, my initial step was to write down my ideas. I actually have a part in my phone, you know, where the notes section is. It's mm-hmm. It says like good ideas. And I've been writing down my ideas for many years. And finally, what happened was that for this particular instance, because I had injured my back, I was like, okay, this is it. I, I don't ever do something with one of these ideas. I'm going to always wonder what could have been. Like I have a good life. I like being a doctor, but I really want to know. And so the first step was that I wrote down all the ideas and I sent it to a patent attorney. And I said, what do you think about this? Is this something patentable? And I started down the journey of creating a provisional patent, which is like the first step in patenting. You don't have to do a provisional, but at that time I did a provisional patent and that was what allowed me to kind of get the ball rolling. I see. It's awesome. And what did you do next? So after 
I wrote the provisional patent, I started designing it in real life, right? So the original provisional patent, it's funny because I look at that language now and I laugh because it's so different than what it actually, the product has become with time. And so I started by cutting and pasting like with like fabric scissors and glue and all sorts of things, ideas for how to make a baby carrier. In fact, I was initially thinking about making a car seat, which still is not totally out of the works, but so I even got like those plastic beads that you melt from Michael's and I was just putzing around with it. And eventually with working on it and asking around, I started finding out like who does design. And I found out about an agency in Chicago who does like soft goods design. And so I paid them to have professional creation of design. And so we went through iteration after iteration and designing for me took a really long time because I would design something, test it and have to test it on like a bag of flour. And when I could test it on a bag of flour and it was okay, then I would test it on like two bags of flour. Like I didn't check it on a baby until, you know, I felt okay about it. And so I remember actually my next door neighbor had a baby at the time and yeah, he's like five. So this is like, a you know, it was a while ago and I, she let me use, use him, you know? And so I put him in my first draft baby carrier and I was like, all right, well, he's not happy with this. We have to change it. So it was a lot of redesign. And I think that took for me a long time. And I think because it's a baby, what I'm trying to do is deconstruct what a baby carrier is, right? So I wasn't just recreating an ergo baby or a baby of yours. And I was kind of saying, well, what create, what is a baby carrier? It's a thing that allows you to transport your baby. And so I had to deconstruct it and deconstruct it and deconstruct it until it would fit within a car seat and not have these loose straps hanging out everywhere. And I had to uncouple it. So I ended up over time creating a waist strap that is uncoupled from the body of the carrier. So you're basically wearing a back brace, which is what it effectively is. And then you have this magnet. And when you pull the sheath close to your waist, um, it just clicks in. And so then all of a sudden you're wearing the baby. So that was through a series of designers that helped me. There was initially in Chicago, and then I found another consultant who helped me find other designers. Wow, so interesting. Did you had previous experience in this area or in designing something, or did you need to learn everything from scratch? I did not have any previous experience in anything like this. I, I will say when I was in middle school, I sewed costumes for Halloween. So like I did know how to use a sewing machine, but like not in any real way. And it was like, wow. So I had to make, you know, I think the main thing I think is like just trying, (laughs) you know, keep on trying and say, if it fails, then that's okay. We'll try again and try a different way. And so, you know, I had no idea. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea about anything. And I, what I learned was like, get the patent language together and then you can privately talk to a few people. So that helped me to figure it that out. But really that consultant that I hired helped me a lot because they helped me find the factory, the manufacturer, which was really challenging. How about materials? How did you choose? How did you figure out even which material to use? Yeah. So for me, creating a product like this, 
you know, I did not want to make something that was going to just have a huge footprint and impact on the, on the environment. And, and so I didn't want to solve a problem and create more problems. And, and really with fabrics and soft goods, you have that real fundamental issue. At the same time, I needed a product that was strong. So I have, you know, because it's so thin, it has to be so thin that it, it is basically like a shirt that the baby uh-huh. wears. It has to be really, really strong. And so I ended up sourcing material. I, I mean, I just went into like the deep dive of Googling things. And I found a guy who had a patent on a waterproofing mechanism and he lives in Texas. And I just called him and I was like, Hey, where do you, where do you put your waterproofing material on? Cause it was like environmentally sound waterproofing material. Uh-huh. And he told me, Oh, there's this place that makes fabrics in Taiwan. And so I called them and and I said, do you use this waterproofing material? And they said, yeah. I said, do you have fabrics that are really strong, like really, really strong, but also super thin? And they were like, well, we might. And so it was a process of conversations with them to find a really good exterior fabric that is waterproof. And um, it's made out of recycled water bottles. And so it has like a really good you know, I mean, it's still some level of waste, but it has about as good as it can possibly be within mm-hmm. the environmentally conscious world. And it's also really, really gorgeous fabric and it's high end. So I love it. <laughs> wow. It's interesting. Wow. And it's actually eco-friendly. <laughs> yeah. And tell us a little more about your journey. How did you arrange production? Oh, so production becomes like, you know, now, now we like gone from the design phase, right? And so design phase takes a while to get it right. And again, for me, because it's a baby carrier, it's not as like doing a shirt or doing a toy. Well, toys actually have some regulations around them too, but we have a lot of safety safety standards that we have to fit, right? So design takes a while, but then to get to production. And what was interesting is that you know, we had to find a manufacturer mm-hmm. and not a lot of manufacturers want to pay attention to a never done before <laughs> business owner, but I was able to hire that consultant who really helped me. He was an engineer and he helped people with kind of getting products up and going. And so he had arranged conversations with a number of manufacturers and we ultimately decided to go with this manufacturer that we're using called Agora Edge and Agora Edge is based in Florida. They have an overseas factory, but we have been using their US production site because it's been a lot allows us to do a lot of hands-on work. So we've kind of even refined the design since working with Agora there they have a beautiful product designer there and he does just such a good job and they produce medical grade soft goods so they're used to the level of quality that i wanted for my product of course they're very expensive and so that's been a journey so that you know the production part is basically you have to find a manufacturer usually you will have a deal with them where they'll they'll work with them in their prototype lab for a while and it's not that expensive. Honestly, it's like a thousand dollars or a couple thousand dollars for them to help build a couple of prototypes for you until you have one that you're happy with and they're happy with. And you reach that final, final prototype. And when you reach that final prototype, then you can take it to like, for me, it's the ASTM, which is the American standards for safety for products. 
And so I went to them and then you can get that tested, but it really is like involves a whole bunch of things like the right labels that are the right size that have to be in these certain places. And you have to have a registration card and it has to have fenestrations in it. And you know, so it's funny how it is not unlike medicine. And I think what's, what keeps coming up in my experience is like, Oh, I've seen this before in medicine, right? It's like when we have, yes you know, some accreditation agency coming by, we have to make sure all of our ducks in a row. So we're used to that. And so production has been, you know, a journey and we are currently producing our first 500 units for sale. We've done a number of units before that for kind of sampling and for giving out to influencers and things like that. But these are our first official 500 oh, units that are congratulations. right now. <laughs> Congratulations, it's a big step. You. It's awesome. Wow. And was it hard, like you in Chicago and say in Florida, long distance, like how to manage it all long distance? Was it extra difficult? You know, so all of this was like pre-COVID and during COVID. And so honestly, my original thought when I talked to other people was, oh, you have to do this overseas. And with COVID, I realized like, I, I know I'm losing money by doing it overseas, not doing it overseas, but I have to do it here because at least in the U S I can access it. And there's all sorts of supply chain issues, right? Because our fabric came from Taiwan and for it to like, from the minute the fabric was done to the minute it landed in the company was like eight months, which we didn't think was going to happen. But yeah. COVID made all those things happen. So yes, the distance from Chicago to Florida feels like it's significant, but honestly, it's nothing compared to the distance between Chicago and China or the Philippines or anywhere else. So for me, I think this was okay. And then the bonus for me is that my parents are in Florida half the year. So I get to see them when I go oh, down nice. <laughs> it's, it's extra yeah. plus, yeah. It's awesome. Wow, wow. And how did you found this consultant who can guide through the process? Actually, I think it was a connection through uh, maybe physician side gigs. I had joined that Facebook group and uh, uh -huh. years ago, and somebody had posted about like some orthopedic surgeon had done some sort of consulting to help other physicians create products. Mm. I reached out to them and they said, well, yours is, you're too far along for what we need <laughs> and you're not medical, not like you know, medical uh -huh. in that sense. So they gave me a connection who, you know, hooked me up with this uh -huh. guy. So it's one of those things where it's like you talk to someone and that takes you on a journey and you find the right person. Starts line, yeah. It's perfect. It's perfect. And what challenges had you had on this way in addition to COVID interfering? And how did you overcame them? Oh, there are so many challenges. Like every single week there's a new challenge. <laughs> I think you know, so I talked about the the supply chain issues. One challenge that we faced is like we knew we were going to get detractors in the passenger safety community initially because they're the people who are experts in you know fitting the baby into car seats and and the rules are don't put anything between the baby and the car seat. And so we knew we had to like look at that criteria very carefully and say, okay, well, what are the reasons why that that's stated, right? So it's, it has to be very thin. It can't be thicker than a shirt. It can't impede the harness. So it's like a very, very wide space that gives way for the harness and there can't be like choking hazards and things like that. And so we went through that and then we crash tested our material uh, and our product at a university lab to make sure that it was safe. 
or engaging with a un- another university to look at some other criteria around back pain and our people coming off the streets able to tighten the harness of the car seat well enough with this carrier in it and things like that. So, you know, really testing for and evaluating and double checking and triple checking and then dealing with the backlash anyway, that some people, you know, if you have a new idea, guaranteed, there are going to be people out there saying this idea is horrible and you're a horrible person for having this idea. And, and, And we've faced all that. And that's okay. And I, you know, for me, it's like people are coming from the space of trying to protect children. And if I weren't me, I would maybe have those same questions. And it's just a matter of educating the public. So I think that that's been a really interesting thing. And I think the main thing there is like having people to talk to, having sounding boards, like when that challenge came up, I I was able to talk to a few people who really gave me good perspective, right? honest feedback that was helpful, not just people cheering for you, but also people kind of thinking with you through ideas. And so having good people around you to help has been a really, really important thing for me. Mm, Thank you. And I always like to know what are three tips that you would recommend to physicians who would like to follow in your footsteps, who would like to invent something new and who are just starting their journey? Oh my gosh. Three tips. One, know your why. Figure out why you want to do this, you know, because you're a doctor and you're smart and you can do it, but it also takes up a lot of time. And so if you're like, I think for me, if I was just trying to make a couple extra bucks, like I I could do that much more efficiently in other ways. Like I could invest in real estate. I could invest in the stock market. I could take a little time and have a different side gig that doesn't take that as much time as making a product. It's really very time intensive, but if you know your why, right. And for me, it's like, I, I, I can't believe that we are like 50 years out from when car seats were created and nobody's thought to redesign them. And, and that this is like a public health disaster. When we think of the frequency with which people go to the doctor for back pain, and you think that 50% of pregnant women have back pain, and it's just a completely brushed under the rug issue. So know your why. Number two, take one step at a time and be okay with not knowing things, you know, and having that more beginner's mindset. Like I'm learning, like, of course I don't know. You know, a lot of people would tell you though, you'll, cause you'll have sorts, all sorts of people telling you all the reasons why your idea stinks and why you're going to fail. Right. And that's normal. And your own brain is going to tell you those things like, Oh, my idea stinks and I'm going to fail. And so I think remembering that like, I can just take one step at a time. I'm learning, I'm capable, I'm smart. I can learn this and I can hire people when I don't know has been a really important thing for me. And then that takes me to number three, which is like, get help, get people around you to help you because I mean, you need a patent. So I would say, don't talk to anybody until you at least have some language of a patent down, or you get people to sign an NDA or a non-disclosure agreement with you because people will steal ideas. But if you get them to sign an NDA or they're like, I mean, talk to people, get help because most people are not going to steal your ideas. Like you just have to think of like, who is that person who I really can't talk to right now and don't talk to them. I think I was so worried about people stealing my idea early that I could have talked to people faster and gotten further along, but I had to learn the hard way, you know, that it's okay. And 
And what I learned is that you can't just go from an idea for a product to a full-fledged business in the snap of a fingers. And so the idea that somebody would steal your product, unless they're like, for me, like unless it's Graco, I wouldn't really worry about that as much, but do, do cover yourself and, and get your idea in writing and then sur- makes surround sense. yourself with help. Absolutely. Totally makes sense. And what mistakes, what other mistakes to avoid? Oh, mistakes to avoid. I think that a lot of my mistakes were around trying to solve things myself without getting other people on board and getting other people's help. And I think once you can just surround yourself with others to give you good advice, that's important. But also like believe in yourself because the other side of that is like, there's a lot of self-doubt. You know, I got coached. I mean, became a coach really because of Nestle. I needed that support. I needed somebody to tell me like, you've got this and you can do it. So I think that avoid like a a mistake to avoid is just too much self-doubt because if you get stuck in self-doubt you just don't take any action and and then you just I mean I think like I spun in circles like for a year during like the design phase and I was so worried when something would fail instead of being like of course it's going to fail it's going to fail a million times until it succeeds because nobody's ever done this before you know and then of course recently I learned that there was a car seat company that did try this years ago and they couldn't make it work because they just gave up right so of course it's gonna fail if you're the first person doing something i see and how about name of this how did you come up with the name and what does it mean so yeah nestle we love the name nestle we came up with it i can't remember if i did or my husband did but you know we were tossing names around for a long time and i really wanted a short name that was easy but also meant something. I didn't want just like initials or something like that. And so, you know, we start, we kind of like, we're stuck in things like kangaroo and, you know, language around kangaroos and things like that for a long time. And it just, we weren't getting anywhere. And then ergonomics was another one. Right. So it was like, Oh, like, but ergo baby has the corner there. And so I was like, okay, well, not going to go there. And so finally we came up with nestle, meaning like you nestle your baby. And so like our whole company's slogan is that, you know, we nestle you so that you can nestle your baby. And so it's spelled, it's spelled differently because nestle, the real word is spelled like nestle. And so we just made it a phonetic spelling. It's perfect. (laughs) I love it. I really love it. Perfect. And for our uh, our listeners who would like to connect with you and who would like to learn more and who would like to get baby career for their baby, how can they connect with you? What is the best way? Where can they learn about it? So you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook or Pinterest at Nestle Baby. So it's at Nestle, N-E-S-S-L, Baby. Or you can look at our website on nussel.com. So it's N-E-S-S-L.com. And um, we have our products up for sale on the website. And it's a Shopify website. So you can go straight there and buy it. And you know, you're free to reach out to me. If you have any questions or issues, you can just message me on our Nestle Instagram page or Facebook page. I'm happy to chat with anybody who has questions. Oh, it is wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and for letting us know about uh, it's wonderful this process of creation. It's just inspiring. I really love it. And not giving Thank you up. so much. Thank you for having me.
Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed it or found it helpful, please subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share with a friend. Have any topics you'd like covered? Send me an email at joyfulsuccessliving at gmail.com. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram to connect at Joyful Success Living. Have an amazing week. See you next time. The Voices of Women Physicians podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not provide any medical, financial, tax, legal, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own well-being, decisions, and results. Dr. Resnik is a practicing physician, but Voices of Women Physicians podcast is not reflective of the opinion of her employer. You should always contact professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.